Welcome to Risky Business with Bo York. I'm your host, Bo York. And today we're doing things a little bit different. Now, I know Risky Business so far has been very much a sporadic podcast, and that's to some extent by design. The first several episodes I really wanted to kind of use as an opportunity to honestly just personally meet up with some friends and discuss various aspects of storytelling. And we've got some good episodes coming out to that effect, talking about storytelling through history, as well as kind of comedy and what's kind of expected there in terms of truthfulness versus emotional truthfulness. But given that all of this is kind of building up to the behind the scenes of the immersive theater project that we're working on here in Houston, Texas, I wanted to take uh, this episode to acknowledge a pretty major announcement that has occurred in the industry. Sleep No More is closing in January. Now, I realize for a lot of you, what I just said means absolutely nothing. But for those in the know, this feels like a catastrophic event to some extent. Sleep No More is a massive success in the immersive theater world. It was originally created by a company called Punch Drunk, and they had a short run in London before it moved around to various locations, including Brooklyn, Massachusetts. But ultimately, it found massive success in 2011 in an old warehouse space in Chelsea that they converted into the McKittrick Hotel. Now, the way this is structured is basically the McKittrick Hotel has several floors, and you as an audience are encouraged to wander these various floors throughout the running time of the play. And for someone like me back in 2017, when I first went, the introduction to a style of theater that was so outside of the box, so innovative, so immersive, and almost completely reality warping was something akin to, I don't know, maybe a religious experience. Now I was a theater kid growing up. Like I loved theater in high school. I was in uh, most all of the productions in some form or fashion, both on stage and behind the stage. I remember as a senior going to one act competitions and we would visit colleges and we would like, you know, compete with other schools in these one act competitions and being blown away by like these massive theater spaces that they had, like the stage, the backstage, it was all much larger than what we had in our high school, but I was not the best student. At the end of the day, like I was lucky wherever I was going to end up. And so I ended up going to a college that theater was not a priority for. In fact, I remember going to our orientation at that college and looking around, I was like, okay, that, you know, this is a pretty big stage. Like, yeah, this is a pretty big auditorium that it'd be interesting to, to work in this space, but it kind of seems like the same size that we had in high school, only to find out that the theater department wasn't even allowed to use their auditorium. Like it was a basically a basement box theater, which was cool. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. And I get that like a lot of awesome stuff happens in kind of underground theater spaces. That's really cool. But there's something about the largeness of a story that can bring you in wholly and fully. And I think part of my desire back then was not just to entertain, but to be able to be embodied in the story holistically as an actor. What something like Sleep No More did for me when I first experienced it is it invited me as the audience member into the story as something of a character, even though I wasn't part of the story, right? We weren't given the kind of agency to impact the story. There are immersive theater projects like that, but, but not Sleep No More. But something about kind of the voyeuristic nature of wandering the set and the way in which things could be happening behind you, in front of you, at either side of you, or in fact, things actively are happening that you're not even seeing because they're happening two floors down. All interconnected, all part of the same story. It's world building. For me, Sleep No More was that falling down the rabbit hole. 
It was stepping through the wardrobe. It was my first taking a step into a larger world. And sharing this kind of level of impact that those of us who experience Sleep No More, especially for those of us who it was kind of a gateway into immersive theater, you don't really get it unless you've experienced it. Like there's nothing I can just say analytically or just descriptively to communicate what this experience is like. But maybe through telling a bit of a story, my story, it might help those of you uninitiated understand. Now, I've experienced Sleep No More a few times since the first time. And on one of these experiences, I was wandering through the streets of this particular set, and there's a taxidermist office. I walk into the taxidermist office, and there's a crowd of audience members who are surrounding something that has happened. I don't know. I'm late to the scene. I was kind of over by the candy shop, looking around the candy shop, and then I come into the taxidermist office. Don't worry about the layout. Just just go with me on this. But the scene that has just played out is coming to a close, and so the characters are moving to their next location, and the audience largely goes with them. However, when all of this is done, the actor that is playing the taxidermist is still behind the counter. And me, being totally lost and not really knowing what just transpired, I'm just sitting there wondering what just happened. So now it's just me and possibly a few other audience members, honestly, I can't recall, and the taxidermist, and suddenly... Something happens that, for me, has not happened in this entire experience. You have to understand, the characters are living out these scenes, but we as an audience, we don't engage with the characters. We're literally just there to be audience. We are haunting the experience. We're flies on the wall. We're the specters, but we're not necessarily the the spectacle. Until the taxidermist, watching the characters leave that were just in his office, slowly turns his head towards me. And in that moment, he makes eye contact with me. Now, this is unsettling for a lot of different reasons. Like I said, this is not necessarily something they do. But there is also kind of this feeling like suddenly the two of us are alone. And let's be real. It's a taxidermist office. There's a lot of dead animals all over the place. And so there's, you know, an eerie feeling to this. He offers me his hand. And I kind of look at his hand. I look back at him and remembering the instructions that I was given when first entering into this world, that fortune favors the bold. I take his hand and together we go back through some of the halls where we go enter into this dark room. Now the dark room I come to figure out as we're moving around the space is a bathroom and he sits me down in essentially what is one of the stalls. It's pitch black, but he sits right across from me and I'm sitting down in a chair. There's something between us, like a table or something like that. I know this because as we both sit down, he turns on a small lamp that is right between us. And suddenly, I see a tray, and on that tray is two pieces of candy and a syringe. Now, I'm not somebody who is a big fan of needles, so I immediately kind of like, you know, kind of tense up and also let him know I'm not into whatever this is about to be. But he kind of calms me down. He takes the syringe and he sprays the dark liquid that's on it onto one of the pieces of candy. He then hands me that piece of candy. He takes the other. We cheers. He swallows his. And I'm being honest, I pocket mine because I still at this point am very (laughs) like off put by this whole thing because there's just so much unknown that's going on right here. He then takes me by the shoulders and presses me up against the wall and whispers into my ear part of his backstory just before ripping me out of the room back into one of the main stage areas where everyone has gathered to witness something that looks like, let's just say in a dark occult ritual. It's like a guy with a goat. He's holding up a baby. It's covered in blood. It's a whole thing. Most everyone 
audience-wise and the experience has made their way to this particular main room for whatever this big scene is. Now, since I didn't follow any characters here, I don't necessarily have investment to any of the characters that are doing whatever it is they're doing in the center of the room. So I start to look elsewhere. And what do I see but a woman in a red dress lightly touching her neck as she is watching all of this transpire. And suddenly something clicks in my mind. This woman must be in control of all of this. And now I'm obsessed about following this woman in the red dress and understanding who she is, what is her relationship to this whole story, and what does all of this mean? Now understand that what I've just shared with you is a small fraction of this play and this experience. There are tons of various one-on-ones with almost every single one of these characters. And to this date, with as many times as I have gone back to sleep no more, I still haven't seen the entirety of the play. Just because there's so much that's constantly going on. I've read other people's experience. I've shared with friends and family that have gone to compare notes and kind of help piece the story together. But it's such a vast well and its ability to present you with enough story to both fill you up in terms of the experience, but also leave you desperately wanting more. I remember walking out of Sleep No More and thinking my mind has been expanded. I didn't know theater could be like this. And I was overjoyed by the opportunity that this means for theater and for storytelling and for experience. But I was also kind of crushed a little bit because back then I was going home to Mississippi and I knew very well that what I just witnessed and experienced could never play in Mississippi. Despite this being a very large scale and expensive production, it's still relatively unknown by most people. Even in New York, there's a lot of folks that are not necessarily aware of Sleep No More, or at least haven't been for the majority of its, of its runtime. So I went back to my studio in Jackson, and I remember immediately getting to work because I was on fire. So much was running into my head. I, I wanted to, I immediately wanted to go back to Sleep No More so that I could get more experience and try to get more of the story and try to understand what's going on. But I also started looking what else is out there, what other immersive experiences are out there where I can get something like this, that I can kind of enter into these stories holistically. And it's so amazing because it's such an incredibly innovative space where there's so many different philosophies around immersive theater, so many different approaches, be it from kind of the dark ride approach where you're kind of brought from room to room to room to the almost completely living video game experience where the outcome of the story is defined by how the audience interacts with the characters. But despite all the innovation, experiences were kind of few and far between, especially if you're in the Southeast. I've traveled to Pittsburgh, to LA, to New York, and look forward to experiencing future events in Chicago and in London. But Sleep No More is really something special. It really has had that kind of goat status in my mind. And I think in many people's mind, because of the way that it really pushed the envelope and allowed many of us to see what immersive theater could be and can be. It was the inspiration that really led to wanting to create the play that we're working on now. I wanted to give people that level of immersion where they can wander the sets, where they have that kind of autonomy to be able to experience a story however they wish, but to do so in more of a way that while still pushing the envelope is a bit more approachable for the average theater goer. Sleep No More leaves a massive legacy. The creatives that it has inspired, the audiences that it has educated, and to be honest, the controversies that it leaves in its wake. The concept of masking your audience and then giving them free range to roam all over your set, 
encouraging that fortune favors the bold, it can and has led to unfavorable outcomes, especially for the the characters or rather the actors that are playing these characters. And so for many of us that are part of this next generation of immersive theater creation, we're looking to sleep no more, both the successes and the failures, what's worked and what hasn't. And we're taking note and we're trying to build something that can live into that legacy that's been created. Sleep No More has been such an institution that in the back of my mind, I always felt like the McKittrick Hotel is always there. Just whenever I head back to New York City, I would book a ticket and I would revisit this story. In fact, I had very specific plans about where I wanted to go next time and where I wanted to explore and what I kind of hoped to achieve. But between now and January, I'm not going to have that opportunity. So perhaps in some cathartic way, this is me kind of processing that and saying goodbye to the McKittrick Hotel, goodbye to Sleep No More, and tipping my hat to Punch Drunk for what they've created and what they've inspired. Our show certainly wouldn't exist without Sleep No More. I'm sure that's true of a lot of different shows as well. And so while I'm very sad to see the metaphorical curtains fall, I look forward to seeing what comes next from Punch Drunk and what comes next for the immersive theater industry as well. There are some great experiences out there. And if you're interested, I'd love to share more about that in future episodes of Risky Business. But for now, I'm just going to say thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, I know it's a little different, but hey, you know, that's okay. It's my show. We're going to get different from time to time. We've got some great conversations with folks on the nature of storytelling coming up in the coming weeks. So be sure to check back then. That's going to do it for me for now. But until next time, I've been Bo York, and this has been Risky Business. Risky Business.